Hello. Hi, hi, John. How are you doing today? I I just flew in from Lavapalooza, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> my brain is tired. I I always have a ton of fun at the Minecraft concerts, um, and I'm hoping this was not the last one like they've been teasing, uh, but I it it, it takes a lot out of me. Yeah. Uh, I was I was at day two. Uh, I know you weren't. But, I tuned into some of the audio stream. Okay, yeah. Uh, I I was in uh in game most of the day, and I did I did happen to see in chat that like somebody who was a a part of Open Pit says that they're just taking a hiatus. Okay. So they will come back at some point, and I'm imagining it's going to be a, like they're planning on making it bigger and better than ever type of situation. Maybe it'll become real. Maybe we'll have Minecraft in real life. Who knows? Maybe. I... <laughs> They're gonna make the Femboy Hooters real. Ah! Monkey paw our whole our whole shit right here. God. But uh, um... that 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 brings me to what I I wanted to talk about at the beginning of this episode. Uh. Femboy Hooters. Yeah, Femboy Hooters. Uh, shout out, <laughs> shout out Femboy Hooters. But no, um, I I made a tweet saying that I, what I wanted to talk about at the beginning of this episode and it, it kind of has to do with love loser because it has to do with a particular artist well artists that performed and right, right. and that would be six impala uh mm-hmm. shout out six impala love you guys you're probably not listening i don't know but you, you <laughs> i i made a joke saying that i, I was going to talk about how six impala equals homestuck but that's that's it's kind of like not really what i what i was going to talk about I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry to the person who runs the Six Impala Twitter account that saw that tweet, liked it, and then unliked it. <laughs> but it, it, it's kind of it's kind of a homestuck situation because like I really like unconventional storytelling, and I I've been like obsessing over Six Impala. Anyone who follows me on Twitter will see this. I I I love love what they're doing and i i i just wanted to like shout it out because like their albums well first of all their music is like really good but they they are like weaving this like really good narrative with their albums that requires like effort to like look into and like figure out what's going on and i oh, love geez, that. I just thought it sounded cool <laughs> it it does just sound cool but like i i i've i've talked to cat uh, one of the members of Six Impala. I'm I'm in a Discord where like people are trying to figure out what's going on in the story of Six Impala, and it's just so interesting because like I know that like concept albums are like a thing that exist, but like not as big as they were in like the '70s. Yeah, yeah, they still exist. Yeah. the the <laughs> idea of like telling stories with music is like not new, but like telling stories with an album, it's like so rare for it to be done and then done well. And I just really love what Six Impala is doing. And it's, like, it, it's giving me vibes to, like, how Homestuck was back in, like, 2012 when nobody knew what was going on. And, like, mm-hmm. Homestuck theory crafting like, really blew up. It's just, it's just so good. And I can't get it out of I, my mind. I think it's really fitting that you decided to bring this, this up. Uh, in in the reading where Hussey gets really meta and starts yelling at his audience about updates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, 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 
I'm not anywhere as near to Six Impala as you are, uh, but I did I did hear their set at Lava Palooza, and I quite enjoyed it. I I, I do um, I, I do recommend their albums. They played a few of their songs from their newest album that came out last week, but like big big range. Yeah, big range. Their first album is like completely different from their second album because their first album is like kind of '90s inspired. Like it's 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 still like good like music production, but it's so like. There's like a sense of nostalgia to it, and mm-hmm. and then with their second album, which is fo- focused on a different character in the universe, it's so like experimental and like all over the place. Yeah, it's 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 so good. Okay, shout out, I, I, shout out. I, I slap an endorsement on there, I guess. Um, also, if uh, I, I don't know when the next time is gonna be a Minecraft concert, but you know, come through uh the Homestuck meetup. We always slap one together impromptu and we usually get a couple faces we haven't seen before and they're always pretty fun yeah shout out <laughs> shout out to all the people who like tried to argue with me about vriska in the lava palooza chat <laughs> it was so <laughs> funny i i kept bringing up vriska and there were so many people who would just be like stop talking about vriska you got a lot of the djs to tell you to shut up yeah i <laughs> <laughs> Laura Les saying we're becoming it, a plague on the, these events. L- Laura Les saying, "Does it look like I read Homestuck?" is like the funniest thing that I got out of Lava Palooza. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, fun, fun times, fun times. Lava Palooza, <laughs> Minecraft. All right, music. M- shout out Homestuck. All those. Things. We've come full circle. This is a Homestuck podcast. And we're going to start talking about the reading now, I think. Yes. That was my segue okay. into the reading. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, man, I I want to go back again to when we made our troll tier list and how I said that, uh, uh, I think I brought this up before with Equius, how I said that both Aaron and Equius to me fall into the category of I hate them as characters, but they make they they make the, anything that they're in better. Yeah. And I I went back on that with Equius. I hate reading about anything that Equius does. Aridan is just an unending uh, fountain of enjoyment for me. Yeah. Uh, because he is... He's so funny. Um, <laughs> the reading opens... Uh, we, we lift off shortly after the introduction of Hefari and Aridan. Um, and it, it opens up on more of Aridan just being, like, the absolute slimiest fuckboy imaginable. It... It's so uncomfortable watching him talk. I mean, and it's funny because like, he's obviously like a parody of like these real types of people. But mm-hmm. watching him talk about like relationships and his emotions, it's just it's agonizing. It's it's agonizing. I think that I I think it's funnier to me because I've spent too much time like on Twitter watching like anime avatar Nazi virgins <laughs> bemoan how women don't want to talk to them. Yeah. And it, it it's so... It's it's cathartic, it's cathartic when you see somebody make humor about a kind of person you don't like. Um, and this is, like, retroactively that. Although I guess that kind of person's been around forever. But basically, yeah, like, Aridan, um, he's bitching about being friend-zoned, which... Might be a bit of an antiquated uh, thing to talk, like make jokes about. Um, back when this was written, the big thing was uh, dunking on guys for whining about being friend zoned. Yeah, the first the concept of the friend zone was really big back then. the The first thing that comes to mind 
is uh, <laughs> your favorite Martian made a song about the friend zone. And <laughs> <laughs> and <I'll, laughs> bring it back to Ray William Johnson art. <laughs> He's a constant. He's always going to come up. I promise. But uh, um, but yeah, friend zone really big. No one really brings it up anymore unless you're like weird. I I don't want to go into a big seg- segue about this, but the whole friend zone thing is like. I this reading made me remember like how many memes and stuff there were about you know guys complaining that they were trapped in the friend zone, yeah, the nice guy stereotype, and how like that's not completely. Dis- I mean, obviously, shitty guys look like this, but that has kind of disappeared, and I can't think of like an equivalent to it. Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe that's something. Maybe society has made incremental progress on that front in the past nine years. Hmm. I don't know. Um, but regardless of, regardless, Aradan is, is trapped in the Moirel zone, uh, <laughs> bitching basically to her face about how, uh, they're, they're in the pale zone, and the other thing he's complaining about to Fairy is how not into genocide she is. <laughs> so funny! Which is also really funny. Um... I, I I love that like it's so on the nose for like the the, the incredibly minimal degree of self awareness this guy has. Um, and this also like when he's talking to Kanaya, and he was complaining about how she didn't want to do genocide. Um, and she was like, "Well, maybe maybe it's bad." It's it's just funny how he has no self awareness at all. Yeah. Um. And he's he's complaining about how uh, he has no red romantic success, and he has developed he he has exhibited a stunning inability to make himself attractive. Uh, in in the interactions with characters we've seen so far. Yeah. Like he he he's just like constantly complaining about something related to like one of the quadrants. Mm-hmm. Like. He, like, he brings up Vriska, basically, and his situation with her, and then, mm-hmm. and then he's, like, doing this awkward, like, beating around the bush about, about his feelings towards Feffery. It's so painful. <laughs> and then, and then they're Moirails, and so it's, it's obviously, like, highlighting, like, how bad he is of a Moirail. Mm-hmm. It's just agonizing. There's so much. Aridin, what's going on? <laughs> Moirelligence, I, 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 I'm still not sure whether Moirelligence is supposed to be as one-sided in theory as it's been shown to be, but what, what are the pairs we've seen so far? We've seen Feferi and Aridin, uh, we've seen Nepeta and Equius and Kanaya and Vriska? Yeah. And all of those are a pretty well-adjusted, non-threatening character, and a, a character who was just batshit insane. Yeah. Um... So there's, it, 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 I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it, why can't I articulate my word, my word, my thoughts on this? It, the way that, uh, the positivity of it is portrayed would make it seem like it's a more, uh, mutual thing, but it seems the way that it's been portrayed that it's all on one, it's kind of one person doing all the work. Yeah. And especially in this pairing here, uh, Feferi, as we're gonna, Feferi is very 
tired of it and is obviously very exhausted by it. And it really is used to illustrate like an unhealthy relationship that she wants to get out of. So I, I don't know. They, well, religion's... I think another part of this is I have such like a long, uh, like so, uh, such a extensive memory of Morellan just being like this really positive thing in the fandom. Yeah. And in the comics so far, it's just kind of been uncomfortable and weird. Yeah. the The way it was described, it says that they balance each other out and they pacify each other. But with the pairings we've seen so far, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Where it seems like very one sided. And we haven't really seen any aspects of, like, the other half of these relationships that need to be balanced out. Mm-hmm. And it seems like any of these characters who need to be balanced out would probably just make each... Like, would just result in a kismesis. Yeah. Kismesitude. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe Equus and Vriska would balance each other out. Since they are weird and th- weird and threatening in different ways, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how well these examples were thought out. I think Hussey has also acknowledged that the il- examples used to illustrate all of this stuff is were are are bad examples of it. And also, these characters are really young, and so they're going to be more vol- volatile. Yeah, I don't know. This that maybe not worth dwelling on. Um. Where uh, Aridin contemplates drinking Fago, Fago, and elects not to. Um, you see all these shitty wands. He's also Harry Potter. Okay. I with the Fago. I yes. I know him referring to it as a stiff drink might be a joke, but I've seen so many people characterize Fago as alcoholic to trolls. That I don't know. I don't know anymore. Is Fago alcoholic? I I am not the person to ask because this is actually an angle I have never seen before. I'm not familiar with this theory. I, I I've seen it used like particularly with Gamzee and as as to like add to like the substance abuse angle of Gamzee. Yeah, it's coming together in my head. Um, I. I don't know, Gamzee seems more outlined as a stoner than an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, I could maybe buy Aaron as an alcoholic, because he's an asshole, but <laughs> I don't... I don't know. Um, I think I, I think it's just a, a joke. Yeah. It's like the shittiest drink imaginable, to Aaron at least. Uh, yeah, shitty wands. Um... <laughs> Aaron being Harry Potter is like just kind of a visual thing, and I I think it's a really uh, underrated little element of him. Just it, it's just there. Yeah, it's just um, it's just there. There's nothing really to say about it, like at all. <laughs> I can't make a comment on it because I I don't know anything about Harry Potter besides that it exists. Um, I well, you're lucky because one, I used to be a big Harry Potter fan, and I can tell you <laughs> that I. I don't see any other parallels besides uh, he's got a wand, he's got a striped scarf, and he's got, like, a zigzag motif. Very very proud to be a person who completely missed the Harry Potter train. I watched the first, like, four movies, thought it was boring, and never touched it again. 
Oh, I was a big Harry Potter book nerd as a kid. I fucking cried really bad when uh, Dobby died <laughs> in the last book. Man. I stayed up in... I, the night it came out, I, I don't even remember how old it was. I had to be, like, younger than 10. I had to be, like, single-digit age. But when the when the last book came out, I, like, read the whole thing in one night, and my mom found me the next morning, and I was just an absolute blubbering mess. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. Man. Shouldn't have killed Dobby. He's the best character. Shout out Dobby. Um, Shout out to Dobby. Um, Homestuck. Um, picking up. Uh, there we see a there's a the 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 little sequence where Fafari is uh bemoaning how high maintenance Airden is. Um, and how she has some true feelings she wants to disclose to him. Um, tries to drink a tab underwater. It's largely unsuccessful. Um. Let's see. Uh, they both get bayonet weapons, little game stuff happening. Um, we get a little bit of elaboration on uh, Riska and Aridin's, uh relationship, which is that they used to be severe rivals slash um, they worked together and against each other when they used to flarp together. Yeah. Um, where they're uh. Their collective victims would end up becoming the the food for Fairy's Lucis. Yeah, glib glib gob. Um, but uh, but not so much anymore. And this is the part where I feel kind of bad for Fairy <laughs> again. There's a lot of feeling bad for Fairy here. Yeah. Um, it elaborates that a. Uh, Glibgollum um, has the power to uh, wipe out all trolls in the galaxy uh, if she is not fed. Um, she's upset, uh, and it's kind of a fairy's duty to to keep her pacified. Um, and this is the point where I start wondering if a fairy was initially set up to be a foil to Vriska. Yeah, I don't know because. Because spoilers, it's not really ever fully realized. Because Riska becomes a uh, Riska stops being such an insane villain character, uh, and the need for Fairy kind of subsides. On the, I guess it would have been more interesting if as Riska got more, uh, Riska got kind of more um, protagonisty if Fairy kind of became more villainous. But instead, Fairy just kind of stops being in the comic. Yeah. Um, especially with the how, especially how with they uh they both interact with Aridin. Um I don't know. I feel like that could have been interesting, and it's a shame that Fafari is uh Fafari in the story. Man, uh, what else? Um, Aridin kind of bemoans uh being his his two greatest pursuits at the moment, which are. Uh, keeping Fafari happy, uh, so we can suck up to her versus wanting to do genocide. Um, what a being a kid is hard. Man, um, how nice of him to not do genocide <laughs> because it would make Fafari upset. He's such a prick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's all about him too. It's all about his emotional problems. It's so on the nose. Um, where are we? Uh, so we got we cut, we cut 
forward a little bit to Feferi in the suburb session. Suburb, suburb. Um, I like that the design of her world is just that she's in a giant fishbowl. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's probably kind of restrictive to her exploration. Um, but what do I know? I, I guess I guess the land orals can go above, can go uh, or the sea devils can go on land. But uh, it's kind of funny. It's very SpongeBob. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we, we kind of follow up on Erdin Feferi's prior conversation where, uh, now that they're in the session, they feel like they can get some stuff off their respective chests. Um. Who boy. Erdin, so, I, I want to first, before we get into the drama between the two of them, uh, Erdin starts, this, I think this is the first time that Erdin should talk Solix, maybe the second time. Um. The Aridin, uh Solix rivalry uh, thing. Keep keep tabs on that. We're gonna put a pin in that. Big pin. Um. The uh, but regardless, um, they both uh want to have a confession for one another. The fairies is that she's fucking sick of putting up with him. Um, and she doesn't want to be morals anymore. Uh, it's not. Because everyone is dying anyway due to the meteors, um, there's no need for uh, her to stop him from doing genocide. So she's out of there. Um, put another pin in that. Uh, Aaron, on the other hand, is one. Aaron wants to fuck, um, and he's upset <laughs> that she wants to distance herself from him. Um, I want to note. I want to. I want to say thank you to Hussey here for when the characters start seriously talking about their feelings, they stop using their annoying to read typing quirks. Yeah. Um, I wish that was more common. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, lot of lot of drama here. Um, the, a lot of Aridin being a shit. There's so much drama in this one pester log. Just watching this breakup really gave me memories of, like, shitty teenager friends mishandling breakups and reacting yeah. very badly. Yeah. This is a very, uh... The tone of this is, I think, very familiar to anybody who spent too much time online as a teenager. Um... Feferi is being pretty mature, yeah. I think. Uh... I I have so much empathy for Feferi here because she is doing so much work to try to be polite to Aridin, uh, and talk about how this relationship has just ruined her, and she doesn't want to deal with him anymore. But she's being very polite in the process. Yeah, and then just um, Aridin's the 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 lines of messages that are like. No, please don't. Look, I'm being serious here. Don't do this. It's... God! <laughs> Too many memories. Too... He sucks He sucks so, so bad. bad. <laughs> uh, Agonizing. Uh, it, it, it's also, like... He just admits that the only reason he, like, wanted to be Moirails, uh, it was in the hopes of, like, getting into a Red Rom relationship. Yeah, it's so bad. Which, on its own, is really, just a really stunning admission of you being a truly shitty guy. 
again, it's the nice guy thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm nice to women, why don't they sleep with me? <laughs> um, and, uh, it, uh, yeah, he's upset. Um, poor, poor Aridan. Um, and then, uh, in a, in a really, really subtle, uh, visual metaphor for fairy bursts out of the bubble into the gate with the caption, you're free. You'll love to see it. Good for her. Um, let's see. And, let's see. Where were we? So, we transition away from the, the Sea Dweller drama, uh, to check back in on the rest of our team. Um... I want to note that, uh, when I was taking notes yesterday, uh, at this point, I was just so tired of the air, of reading Aranan stuff, um, <laughs> that I went, I checked Twitter, and I got distracted by someone who posted a link to the Bionicle wiki, and I wasted <laughs> about two and a half hours just reading the Bionicle wiki. What, what pages did Is, you read? Um, I, <laughs> God, alright, I'm, I'm, I'm setting a note to not talk about this more than two minutes. Um, I didn't remember a lot about, like, the universe in the universe from what I read as a kid, because I obviously didn't have a lot of resources. I had, like, the comics and stuff, and yeah. it's hard to get a huge sense of the lore from that. So, like, I started on, like, the Matoran universe page, okay. and I ended up, like, reading that. I read, like, the Mananui page, and I was like, man, there's so much shit in the creation lore yeah. of this universe that I forgot. Yeah. Um, the, the hierarchy of all of the different, uh, like, species... Um, like, I forgot that the underwater guys were supposed to be, like, predecessors. They were, like, some, one of the, like, the, the, the first rulers of the, the, the planet that everything yeah. happens on. Um, it's, I, I, I wasted so much time. Um, I plan to go back and waste more time now that we're, we're getting these episodes, we're getting this episode out of the way. Good. Yeah, Bionicle uh, <laughs> Lore is very, very fun to get lost in. It's very interesting. It's... It's something, particularly in um, the yeah the creation aspect of of the Matoran universe. Everything going on with the with the giant robot, the uh, Spherus Magna, all that good stuff. Mononui mm-hmm. flying through space. It's so good. Like, the fucking it just looks just like Christian imagery. It looks like something out of End of Evangelion. Yeah. <laughs> that... It looks specifically like a thing out of End of Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, maybe someday we can dig deeper into Bionicle, but I really don't know where we would start there. Bionicle podcast. Um, we we start by I, reading the comics, and then, I, I don't know. <laughs> I would totally be down to do that someday, but in the time being, the two minutes that I allotted to talk about this is up, and we're going to have to go back okay. to a Death that, that, that's our That's our weekly Bionicle segment. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, dead Solix. Uh, Solix is dead. Solix is dead. Um, poor Solix. Poor Carcat. Yeah, poor Carcat. Um, Sol- Solix is in a really, rather grim fashion, seems to have just ruptured, uh, and is lying on his Alchemiter in a pool of blood. Um, uh, I-, I-, I believe this is the second time that we've just seen a major character just, like, dead. In a pool their own blood, like there was the dead day from before. Yeah, it's like okay, so here's another. Uh, damn, people are dying. Yeah. Um. Obviously not. Ultimately, because uh, he's gonna get his dream self back in a second. But it, it, this is a death with stakes. The day of death was not a death with stakes. 
Um, we are minus one Solix here. Man. Then, so, then we get Gamzee ruins a moment so uh, Gamzee ruins a moment so emotional for Carcat that even Jack recognizes that for one panel he should be sincere. Yeah. Um. I remember this Gamzee uh, was like a big meme. You could edit this into corners of images, and it's like, wow, this is so inappropriate just at this point where it shows up. I just want to say the the panel with Carcat crying, revealing that that troll tears match the color of their blood, had very far-reaching consequences that I don't think I'll get into on the pod. I I just want to say the. The revelation that body fluids match the blood color was not a good thing to show in canon. You've given away a lot of the game by generalizing it to bodily fluids <laughs> and not just tears. And that's that's all we're gonna say. That that's that that's, th- that's all I'm gonna talk about. We're gonna move on from that. Dwell dwell on it if you wish can to I don't did look into cr- it. Kanaya did cry green earlier. So it's not the first oh, time. Did, yeah. did Kanaya? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I wasn't she was... paying attention. You weren't paying attention I'm to the sorry. I'm sorry. the, the Tavros Vriska Kanaya drama scene? I think I probably mentally like noted it and just forgot to bring it up on the pod and so I don't I don't think I mentioned it either, so Anyways, yeah. I don't know. I, we we could have just gone without you bringing that up, but anyway. Whatever. I I mean, it's a Homestuck <laughs> podcast. I'm going to have to bring up like everything that's bad always. <laughs> we can we can drip feed the bad things over a couple of We already got the the Applebee's video out of the way. Um, someday we'll get to all of, some, we'll address everything someday. Well, one day we'll talk about the thumb cramps image, and that'll be good. If you don't know what image I'm talking about, I'll send it to you after the fact, but... No, we'll post it whenever we get to Act 6. Okay, okay. Um, someday we'll get to, uh, Home Smut Voices and all that. (laughs) 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 Anyway, um... Don't look that up. Wait for us to tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, don't look it up. Um, don't look it up at all. <laughs> so, it, we've so we've also ruined this really emotional, unfortunate moment for Carcat. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jack Noir is just slapping the shit out of him um, at this point. He's just having a really bad time. Aaron is in everyone's DMs trying to get a hold of Carcat. It's so um, bad. It's... It's so bad. I I love uh Aaron bouncing off of Gamzee. Yeah. Um it's it's really funny how Aaron is trying to be like a serious sad boy. Uh and Gamzee's being Gamzee. Um upon the revelation that Solux is dead, uh Aaron kind of bounces pretty hard. Um he's pretty upset or he seems legitimately upset. Yeah. Um which is I think, one, uh, you could maybe modernize that and uh, point out, like, yeah, a lot of fucking dumbass, like, Nazi kids don't actually understand the... cannot understand the value of a human life, and when confronted with the consequences of what they want, are just gonna break down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, Aaron is just a cunt. That uh, too. So I think that's the more direct... That's the more direct thing. Yeah. Um... What else? Uh, something here. Um, the one thing here that I thought was kind of entertaining, and I think that maybe is lost now that the hipster stereotype is kind of out of fashion, is the magic isn't real thing. Yeah. Uh, where 
Gamzy starts making reference to miracles and magic, and Aradin gets really upset that Gamzy's bringing up magic, because uh, it's not real, stop believing in it. Maybe this is just, Aradin is genuinely just completely torn up here, and he wants to stop bringing this shit up. Or maybe this is Aradin being a hipster stereotype, and uh, Gamzy's enjoyment of this thing just isn't ironic enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Aradin kind of says, he says, like, he feels bad because his overwrought bullshit was irrelevant to the fairy. I, he's right. I don't know, uh, I don't really think that he's internalizing it at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Gamzee suggests that Aaron drink the Fago. He does, uh, and it's, it's nothing special. I, I do like the 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 split second blah on the on 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 this page. It's pretty good. Um I, unlike the other ones, I don't think that this one foreshadows anything. Yeah, I don't think it does. <laughs> Aaron becoming a, a juggalo would be a, a, a really good way to continue his character arc, and I'm kind of upset now that that never happened. That that would be a very interesting turn for the comic. <laughs> just just during the lab part later, Aradin just goes juggalo. <sighs> somebody write that fanfiction. Uh, maybe it's out there. Um, it. Somebody write it. I mean, um, it's probably already out there. there there's a lot of. There's a lot of deviations in in the fandom that are very Juggalo AU. You know, Juggalo AU is probably a thing. Do some research and get back to that. Okay. Um. Let's see. Uh, where were we? Um, the fairy prepares to administer a universal remedy for the unawakened. Uh, by which the narration means that she's gonna pick up Salix's dead body and kiss it on the lips. Uh, which wakes up. Uh. Dream Solix, uh, on Durs. Um, Karkat is disgusted by this. I don't- I don't know whether he's disgusted here by, uh, Feferi manhandling a dead bot- the body of his recently deceased best friend, uh, or at Feferi, or- I don't know. Um. I think his, it might- His disgust reaction's pretty potent. Yeah. I think it's just the idea of Kissing a dead body. Yeah. Even Gamzee's floored by this. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, Jack Noir, uh, as an exile, um, following up the events of the intermission, actually, uh, starts typing into the console about how much he hates Kit, the troll kids, um, and makes a bit of a meta comment about how every time he turns around, they're smooching each, they're smooching each other. Uh, I think it's a pretty, that's, that's a pretty meta comment about the state of the comic right now, I think. Yeah. Um, and the comic, it it continues to indulge itself in more meta bullshit, where we zoom out, uh, to another hussy break, um, where he's, for some reason now, he's trapped in an attic, he's got a troll cosplay on... Uh, he's covered himself in gray paint, um, and he's kind of unhinged and just ranting about uh, 
the state of things. Um, it goes even more meta. The we see the first canonical appearance of MSPA reader contemplating suicide. It's so good. I love MSPA um, reader. <laughs> I think that this land of stumps and dismay is a bard quest reference. Probably, I wouldn't know. It's that or jailbreak. I don't know. I haven't read bard quest or jailbreak in a good six years. Um, nothing really happens in them. Uh, there's a stump, and the MSP reader is considering suicide if this keeps happening. Um, Hussy has a... I I don't know if there's anything to comment on in the Hussy breakdown, because it's it's just stupid. There's, like, nothing... I don't think there's anything foreshadowly in it. Uh... Yeah, I don't think so. He types up the entirety of the troll romance explanation again. Um... Yeah, uh... I, I think it's just him, like, fucking with people who who are ready to, like, get back to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It, this is, like, the first, uh, instance of, like, Hussie, like, lashing out in comic at his fan base. I think. Uh, will not be the last. Yeah. Um, but it's probably the one that has aged the best. Uh, let's get... Put a pin in that, take it out in about 3,000 more pages. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, okay, let, let, okay, moving it along. Um, we go back to, uh, to, to Dream Solix. Um, he, he's on, he's on Durst. Um, he notes that, uh, this moon is different, uh, which it implies that Solix is has also been on Prospect. Yeah. Um He has an encounter with uh with Club's Deuce. Or, or no okay. Before before that, um the the comic uh the narration explains dreamers or dream selves here, at least how they relate to the trolls. Um so the blue team is Durst dreamers and the red team are the prospect dreamers. Uh, Solix is unique and he has two dreamers. He has a dream self for each moon, and Aradia has no dream self. Probably because she was dead when she entered the game. Um, and also she's a sprite, so that I, I don't know sprite sleep. Yeah. Um, this is the f- I think this is the first point where the. Dream selves are kind of get referred to as an extra life. Yeah. Um. Th- th- before, previously with the kids, there was really no threat of death, or they they were pretty heavily plot armored, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is another turning point where the dream selves being labeled an extra life, like an extra, is. Uh, and Solix's death, um, is a big, like, okay, um, so these, these matter now. Yeah. And, and, and we'll see that in the, in, we'll see that in the following acts in, it, in a big way. Yeah, it, it adds, like, a sense of, like, these kids are now expendable in some way. Mm-hmm. There, there's more. There's more trolls than kids, and so they are by default less valuable individually. Yeah. Um, I also uh, 
seeing all the trolls dream selves made me realize that uh the dream pajamas are very different between characters which i don't think we really saw with the kids since they were only two of each um and they were both a boy and a girl so they had different outfits yeah based on that uh but like Aridin's dream self basically has like it's just his normal clothes, uh, but pajamas. He has like a pajama cape. Infuriating. <laughs> fucking awful. Um Yeah. Uh let's see. Dream Dream Carcat does he have a skirt? No, no there's he has a... baggy pants. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, dream selves. Uh there's that. Uh, Solok has an encounter with Club Deduce, uh, on, on Durs. Um, is, is Club Deduce Solok is exiled just because his name is Deuce? Probably. Almost definitely. I fucking hate Hussy. Um, Solok's mistakes, uh, Club's, the, the exile talk in his head as being more voices, and so he freaks out and explodes the, uh, the monitor that Clubs is using in the future. Um and Solix decides that he he he's it's time to rejoin it's time to go back to where he left off. Um I I guess it's probably futile to want like pontificate out loud about how the the mechanics are going to work with only the um dream selves alive because we're probably gonna see it. Shortly, but it makes me wonder uh, if if a uh, prospect socks is now just a brick or not. <laughs> He's a vegetable. Um, let's see. Yeah, so Solix returns to his planet. Um, to the <laughs> to the door of a fairy. Um, I I just want to say, the land of brains and fire is really stupid. <laughs> I don't. I like wish it. that we. I wish we saw more action on here. It's it's so strange. What are the implications of like how this planet is formed? Like, what does the are, land look like? Are the brains his consorts? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I love that everything's just on fire. Um, very friendly. Uh, very exploration friendly planet. Um. Where were we? Um, Feffrey's just been a mini montage. Feffrey's just been stabbing brains. Yes, <laughs> we get a mini montage of uh, troll adventuring here. Um, so Briska and Tavros now appear to be getting along just fine, more or less. Uh, plundering treasure on Briska's planet. Yeah, I think, I think the fact that they're getting along fine is because. They're doing something Vriska likes, and so she's probably not bored of it. Cause yeah, she got pretty tired of like Tavros's like puzzles, and now they're now they're out finding treasure like pirates. So Vriska, it feels so weird to talk about in terms of like Vriska is not a threat to Tavros immediately because she is pacified. She's like an animal. <laughs> um. And actually, it notes this because uh, it w- we zoom out um to uh the to her exile um 
saying basically she's not paying any attention to the game to, to her to the game um which which prompts the exile uh to to switch to Therese, um whom is much more uh receptive to her influence um we get a conversation uh between Therese and her exile uh about what what's what's going on um, her exile, uh, who we shortly find out is the Black Queen, uh, gives her mission to eliminate, uh, Jack Noir. Um, presumably to do, because obviously it's the Black Queen, uh, is salty about the Operation Register and how that went down. Yeah. Um, we resume other trolls, uh, Nepeta, um... On on her planet, the lands of little cubes and tea, uh, abbreviation lolcat. Um, savvy readers will have picked that up. Um, I'm a savvy reader. I picked that up. <laughs> Fuck you, hussy. Um, no, no, I want I want to just call out uh, page twenty five thirty four for being the most like anatomic like. It's a cool concept, but it ends up being one of the most anatomically confusing shots in the comic. Yeah. Um, I it took me a couple passes when I read this when I was younger to realize what was going on here, uh, and that Nepeta's anatomy isn't just really fucked up. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, um, Equius appears. Uh. Nepeta gives him a, a warm greeting uh, and inquires as to Aradia's um, whereabouts uh, and what's going on. Uh, Equius only responds and says that he has no idea where she went, which we'll, we'll find out where she went shortly. Uh, but Aradia's MIA right now. Um, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, I, and, I I just want to point out, Nepeta is like really strong, like Nepeta, super strong. It, yes. Um, I don't know if it seems like there there's like a pattern of trolls turning out to be like way way physically stronger than you would first think. Yeah. Uh, Nepeta seems really powerful. Um, Feferi with that launch out of the the fishbowl earlier is probably also horrifically strong. Yeah. Also with her, like, just towing whales and stuff underwater. Um, but yeah, uh, I would, I, when I noticed, when I saw it with, uh, Nepeta, um, I was thinking maybe there was, like, a pattern with, like, blood, um, color or something, but it seems pretty random as to which trolls are just much more physically threatening than others. Yeah. Because there's not really ever anything to suggest that, like, say, like, Vriska, uh, or... Aridin are particularly physically threatening. Yeah. But Nepeta is just freakishly strong. Um. What else? Uh. The underlings are getting huge, uh, which suggests that Glibglob was, um, prototyped at this point. And now we get <laughs> to. <laughs> now we get to. The the most long winded part of this reading, which is uh Carcat's memos. The okay. I did I I completely forgot that the memos show up this early. 
I I fully remembered them as like an Act Five Act Two thing. Because, boy, do they get really important, but also really absurd. The entire concept of the memo is just is a little bit of a headache. Yeah, um, I would say that uh, I think Homesick has a bit of a reputation for being really confusing. Yeah. Um, and up to this point, that's not really been that true. It's been pretty easy to follow. Yeah, if you're paying attention. Well, this is the point, I think, where reading it, I got, it was a little bit of a headache, and it seemed just kind of unnecessary how, uh, how self-indulgent it's getting with the time bullshit. Yeah. Um, with there being, like, past, current, future versions of characters talking. Yeah. Uh, that differ depending on what perspective you're reading them from. Yeah. But yeah, um... The memos themselves, uh, at this point, thankfully, are pretty non-threatening content-wise. For now. For now. Um, a lot of, uh, Carcat just trying to aimlessly yell at himself and other characters getting in the way of that. Um, there's interjections from Terezi, from... Solix. Solix actually interjects shortly before he dies, which is really, uh... <laughs> it's so much to unpack. Just um, him dying, just live. Live chatting his death. I, I, not immediately when he dies, because he says he has to go get, he has to go, um... Yeah, I think Fafari is his, uh, his client. Yeah. In. Um, so he gets that done before he ruptures. Um, but, yeah, uh, the, the comedy of, the, the very dark comedy of Solix logging in to shit-talk Carcat and then being like, oh, fuck, I'm bleeding, and then Carcat like, shitting on him, and then shortly after this, I assume seeing dead Solix and co- prompting his breakdown. Yeah, in the, in the chat with, uh, Gamzee and Aridan, Gamzee specifically said that Carcat blamed himself. So, probably freaked him out a lot with with this yeah. chat in mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, the the one thing that I kind of like a lot about the the memos here, um, in general, from front to back, as we see them in Nightmare One, is like they kind of serve as a bit of a way f- for Carcat to do rapid character development. Yeah. Um. Because obviously here we start out. Uh, I don't know how finally we're gonna pick through these, but we start out here. He's just just starting shit. He's just ranting. He's yelling at himself, literally yelling at himself. When the future Carcat joins in, he's yelling at everybody else in general. Um, he's just being asshole, Carcat. Yeah. Uh. I like that he threatens to air all of Equius's dirty laundry, um, which I, I thought that Equius being like a weirdo was already known. Although I guess that the way he talks to people is already creepy enough. But it is it is funny that a uh, car cat threatens to tell everybody about how he kisses his robot <laughs> and calls him out for getting off on it. Yeah. Um. We cut in a little bit with uh, Terezi talking to the Black Queen. Um, 
Not really a lot of substance here in this conversation. Uh, just re reminder that Tracy's talking about the Black Queen. Yeah. Um, I like that it, when it jumps to Carcat doing another memo. Uh, it's it's elsewhere. Um, and Jack Noir is just following him around. I really love the mental image of like Jack Noir being subjected to Carcat just periodically opening his computer to yell at himself. Just to ar literally argue with his future self. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's in this one? Uh, I didn't take very fine notes on this one. So if you're, if you wanna, if you wanna take the reins on these, feel free. Um, in this one, Aridin continues to try to reach out to to Carcat. Th this is, I, th I think this is like right after he talked to Gamzee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh. Because he because he mentions the 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 Fago that he was recommended, but Aridin just going to the point of reaching out in public in front of everyone about what's going on with him and Feffery. He's so pathetic. It's 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 so cringe, literal cringe. It's uh, um, also a bit of a a little bit of a kind of glimpse into the relationship between Carcat and Aridan, which I think is kind of interesting, where even though... I mean, Carcat sees everybody as an asshole. Um, but he has this weird sympathy for Aridan, it seems. Um, and it's been referenced by other characters before that of, of like, them sharing an interest in Quadrant drama. Yeah. Um, and... Carcat being like, we'll sort your shit out, man. It's okay. It'll be fine. Uh, it, it It's so weird that of all the characters that at this point that Carcat kind of shows direct sympathy to and offers a, a line of communication, it's Aridan. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, we get our first instance of future Arachnid's grip. I... <laughs> I think Future Arachnid's Grip is one of the funniest jokes in the comic. I'm gonna get hate for that. Right, but it's so that. funny. <laughs> it... It is pretty funny. Um... And I hate to say it, but I I admit that it's, it's, it's funny. Um... Maybe... It goes maybe a little bit far yeah, here. Yeah, Carcat... Carcat's uh, comments about... The, the abbreviation of Future Arachnid's Grip. Kind of sus, kind of questionable on Hussie's, Hussie's end. Carcat invents homophobia. <laughs> Not cool, Carcat. Uh. <laughs> just the... <laughs> just, uh, Carcat banning, banning her from responding and then saying later <laughs> it... <laughs> yeah the, the the little rant he goes to himself about how maybe that will become a, an insult uh in uh, an insult in, in a later time uh is a little bit obnoxiously self-indulgent yeah um i kind of wonder if hussy constructed this entire memo <laughs> just to make this format, joke just to make just this to, joke just to make that joke um i'm gonna see if let me check the notes real quick 
his notes read um it, he claims it ha- it just happened to be that um and it's he did not go out of it it's not like he specifically went out of his way to make that word appear on the page a bunch of times <laughs> um okay i'm side-eyeing that uh okay so f- f- regardless um there's another interjection from past uh, Tavros and past Riska uh, about the drama of the the fairy roleplay situation. Yeah, Tavros, Tavros specifically chimes in immediately after it happened. Yeah. Like, he's still laying on the floor. He's, he's looking for help. He doesn't know what to do. The, the um, these poor teenagers using this public venue as a means of talking about interrelational drama. I love Carcat's line. This is so fucked up. What have you gotten yourself into? Because <laughs> he's right. Um. Uh, Vriska interjects in to try to harass him into knowing how to feel. Um, Carcat bans both of them. Um, and, and, uh, he makes a comment about getting back on topic and future Carcat butts in and says, no, you won't. Um, and I love that the way this ends is future Carcat, uh, banning Pat, banning current Carcat and then closing the memo himself. It's good. Um, t- uh, uh, this format is such a time headache, but I love that it enables jokes like that. Yeah. Um. So, cutting out of the memo bullshit, um, we go right back to the right after the ferry incident, um, where Tavris is on the floor on his phone, and uh, Vriska starts getting uh, well, Tavris is being harassed by his exile. Uh, Hart's boxcars is really upset that he's not getting up and making out with Riska. Hart's is going like uh, crazy on it. <laughs> he's really mad. Um, while Riska uh, sits down and is uh, contacted by, I guess, her and Therese's exile, um, trying to uh, push this plan through. And here we do see the exile is the Black Queen slash Snowman. Yeah. Um, who it, it is is set on getting revenge on Durs. Um, it it's interesting how the the Black Queen is like a new is like a complete rogue agent. Like, is only interested at this point in uh just getting revenge. Yeah. Uh, big theme revenge. Big theme. Um, let's see. Uh, contacts Therese again and instructs her to obtain the Black Queen's ring uh, and destroy it. Uh, which is kind of an inter- which, is, which is an interesting turn. Um, but in in hindsight uh, to what happened in the kids session, pretty good advice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, we, there's, there's, like, some scenery in the exile, in the desert posts of Alternia, the the desert of Alternia where the exiles are in, um, 
And then we go to uh, Kanaya right after she entered her session. Um, Kanaya's land uh, has has, a, has like a glitch word in it. Um, I forget what the significance of this is, but it's there. It's the land of rays and something. Yes. Um, uh, th- there's a reason why it's censored. It's for future reasons. It all there always is a reason. Yeah. It has implications. Uh, but yeah. Um But yeah, we we see she's, we see a familiar layout being Yes. A volcano and kind of a kind of tower house. Yeah, yeah. It it looks like Jade's Island. It <laughs> and it's it um, says that this landscape was buried under uh, under the desert. Which, mm-hmm. which kind of has implications for like all spurb scrub game sessions. A little bit. A little bit. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she refers <laughs> she refers to the volcano as a forge, and that. That specific word usage is not going to have any relevance for a while as well. There's a lot of things going on that are, like, setups for things that aren't going to happen until, like, another thousand pages from now and sometimes even further. Yeah. Uh, Something that – another parallel we can point out that I believe is not – I believe that we have gotten all the information for is that uh, Jade and Kanaya are both space players. Yes. Um, So that's another connection between – Another thing that may or may not be associated with their whole scenario, their their whole settings being very very similar. Yeah. Um, the the whole aspect thing is has not really been that important up to this point. Uh, but it is the amount that Hivebent goes to remind you what everyone is. Uh, should tell you that it is becoming more important yeah we um, we, we kind of glossed over like most of them because there were there were a lot of new ones that were dropped like uh i think solace being a mage of doom uh Fefri being a witch of life of life yeah we we glossed over like a lot of them but they it reader readers you obviously have noticed that they've been like dropped and mm-hmm. some of them are important but it's just more of like in the grand scheme of things Yes, these There's are. a couple key ones, like, space is really important, yeah. uh, time is really important, breath is important, but, like, the the majority of the troll-exclusive ones are just kind of throwaway, like many of the trolls are kind of throwaway. Yeah, a lot a lot of the ones that the trolls are given, uh, they, they, they have gotten elaborated on later in the comic, and, like, after the comic's completion, on, like, the implications of these titles... But, like, most of them are, like, constructed specifically just to serve a particular character's story arc. Or, like, mm-hmm. what happens to them in general. Like, like a Doom player, to this day, you can't talk about Doom without, like, bringing up specifically what happens with Solix. It, it's, yeah. it, it was, like, founded entirely just on what happened to Solix. Yeah, like, Light gets used for both uh, Riska and Rose, so obviously it's a super 
it, it it's kind of important that that aspect be more generalized because Riska and Rose are very different characters with very different arcs. Uh, space for Jaden Kanaya, same thing goes there. Yeah. Breath with John and Tavros, but like, yeah, life. Um, life or heart. You tag those on like some of the most throwaway characters in the comic. They well, they're just kind of there. I mean, Nepeta less so, but Nepeta also has a. Nepeta is not on the degree of like Feferi throwaway, but like uh, Heart even arguably even more than Feferi is like an aspect that was kind of crafted for Nepeta as a character. Yeah. Or like it's hard to separate the two. Yeah. But yeah. Um wh- where where are we? Memo. Uh, yes, more memo. Kanaya gets in on the memo. Pretty pretty important memo as to as to, as to what's going on. In the troll yes. session. Well, what happened in the troll session? Yeah. Notably, the, the previous two memos were just kind of, um... Time-wise, very close to each other. Or, like, approximately around when the action was happening. This one is 600 hours in the future. Um... Which would be 25-ish days. So... Something like that. Yeah. Um... Couple couple weeks. Uh, this is very future Carcat looking back after the Sagrub session ends and basically doing more yelling at himself and also kind of um just venting basically the 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 prior ones were Carcat this is a lot more venting than the other ones were which was just Carcat just jacking off his authority boner yeah um but yeah uh, it, it, this is what I was talking about where it feels kind of more like Karkat is being allowed to do some personal growth here, yeah. um, where he's second guessing himself. He's actually recognizing that he made mistakes and he's upset that he couldn't learn the, the whole, like Karkat literally refusing to learn from his future self's mistakes is a really on the nose way to do character growth. Yeah. But it I kinda I kinda like the picture of a future car cat looking back and being like, fuck, why didn't I listen to myself? Um he's talking about how the game we they were pretty good at the game and it should have gone all over fine, but um something went wrong. Yeah. It this this vagueness of like what went wrong is is really one of the more interesting things because from what Carcat's saying, they did everything right. They they played the game. They did what they were supposed to do, but they didn't get their reward. It was all for nothing. Yeah, and he specifically refers to it as a null session. Yeah, which, which may come back. I I can't remember if that specific word usage will come back. It's a term. It's a term that's definitely thrown around a lot in the fandom. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Karkat kind of breaks a little. Um, and he gives up. Yeah, it's... it. Th- this instance of Karkat, where he is right now, it it's a really, like, kind of kind of a sad situation, like, uh, in the grand scheme of things, like, you play Spurb, your, your entire species is wiped out, your planet's gone, and... It's just kind of you and your buds, and all you have left is to play this game. And then with the trolls, they play this game, it goes wrong, 
nothing happens, it's like, what then? They, yeah. they, they really are at, like, the end of their own existence after putting all this effort in hopes of something good would come out of it. It's a really... It's a really doomer situation. <laughs> Real tough. Carcat's very black. I was about to say, this is black-pilled Carcat. Like, looking back <laughs> on everything. Yeah. Um... <laughs> This is post Iowa caucus carcat. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, too soon. <laughs> this car this is <laughs> This is fucking post uh no more 2020 election. I can't talk about okay, it. Okay, that, that that that's our um, election talk for like a while until it, it's oh necessary god. to talk about. Oh god. Um yeah. Uh, um. Snap out of it. Uh. Kanaya. Kanaya butts into the memo. Um. With a little bit of wholesomeness. Uh. Talking about last birthday. Um. But. Birthday. Perigee. Uh. Pa- Perigee's right Eve. It's like. Uh, it's like agreed upon by like a lot of people that this is like the troll version of Christmas. I thought it was birthday. No. Or, okay, I... There's so many troll words that are technically words in English, but you never use them for anything, and I forget them, okay? I'm sorry. But... It happens. It, it's <laughs> it, it, it's agreed upon that they're, they're talking about Christmas. Okay. Um... I saw 12, um... And I thought he was talking about his 12th birthday. Um... But oh, that we said we okay okay yeah I am an idiot never mind um yeah uh Christmas um trolls have that I guess but yeah they talk about uh the meta a bit of the memo um and Karkat kind of talks about how uh he the process of doing the memos um just yelling at himself uh and how he never really learned from it um and just ended up going getting to the point where he was jaded and angry at his past self but with with only having learned it through like hardship yeah um then how they lost uh yeah um carcat being carcat in the memo is like, okay, so what dumb romantic thing do you have to talk to me about today? Because uh, Carcat just loves his quadrant <laughs> drama. Uh, even even black-billed Carcat, all he has left is to play armchair psychologist with people. Um, yeah, kind of tease a little bit at the risk of thing. Um, Carcat... This this is another thing where it kind of scratched off a bit of a repressed memory for me, where Karkat makes a reference to, like, becoming his own kismesis uh, through the memos. And I forgot that, like, Karkat-cest was, like, a thing. It, it, it sucks so bad that, like... I think it's hilarious. It's hilarious, but, like, there are people who are, like, very serious about it, because Homestuck has, like, 
Homestuck very much enables the concept the concept of self cessed with the with the dream selves, and it's so unfortunate that. I don't know what's unfortunate about it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's great. I don't know. I the, I see nothing. Uh, I don't know what the ethics are of shipping a character with them with another version of themselves, but checks out for me. I think that if that's if that's your thing, it's weird. But you know what? The great. The ethics of self cest are very debatable. Like, you know what? No, I'm not getting into it. I'm not unpacking this. <laughs> It's such a dumb question. Um, but yeah, this uh, this Pesterlog probably spawned the concept of Carcest. Um, just future and past Carcat. Or just any two Carcats, really, if you wanted to go get serious with it. You could do whatever. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, they kind of talk about the game a little bit. Um make a uh, make th- there's a bit of foreshadowing to an event that we've already seen happen where uh Kanaya mauls a sleeping Tavros with her chainsaw yeah um and then after this happens um Karkat says you're out of your goddamn mind and then shuts down the memo um yeah I- uh he he also instructs her to scroll up to see uh where things go wrong in the timeline and she does and there's an epilepsy warning. Yeah. I I do like the bit in the in the memo where Kanaya kind of flips it on him and is like so do you have any red feelings and he gets really cagey about it. Mhm. And I don't know. We we kind of see a a possible elaboration on that in a few pages. Karkat's red feelings are uh, are a uh, oft teased, oft uh, debated topic. Yes. Or were. Yes. Um. Do people? Karkat is like one of those characters where he gets he just gets passed around in terms of fandom pairings. Yeah, I was gonna say I do think Karkat is like one of the most like shipped with characters. I don't know if fandom bicycle is, like, still an appropriate term, or if that's, like, a bad thing, if that's a bad term to use, but he falls under that, uh, in terms of, in Homestuck, I think. Him, Dave. John. Um, John. Uh, uh, Terezi. Um. Terezi a little bit. Um, let me think. Jade. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Big, I, big time Jade, Jade Cat shippers back in the day, and still to this day. Oh yeah, I mean that's like one, I can't think of any other popular like Jade ships that were popular like back in the day. Um, probably because Jade was one of the more neglected characters, yeah, fandom wise. Yeah, I it, it's very interesting to me over time how um back. Back like way back when, um, the very much the norm in fandom was that like any of the if you had like a male character, uh, who was replicable to a female character, the male character would get all of the attention. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me that that has kind of changed over time. I think where the like the th- big three that we named earlier, which is like uh, fucking. Dave Carcat and John back in the day were just like super like probably the most popular characters in the fandom. Yeah. 
um, especially Dave, uh, and it's interesting to me that, like, as, as time has passed, um, it seems like the, 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 the whole elevating male characters thing has kind of fallen by the wayside, which is probably good, because it was, uh, it was, it was weird back in the day. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what else to say on that. Um, I don't know, I was just thinking about how Jade is, like, a real, was, Jade was probably one of the more neglected characters, fan content-wise, uh, in, like, the early 2010s. Yeah, it's really unfortunate, because, like, Jade's, Jade being neglected kind of lasted until the end of the comic. It's kind of a... And Jade is a, Jade is a good character. Jade is a good character. Shout out Jade. <laughs> um, yeah, Rose, Rose was really popular, though. Uh, I think Rose was always pretty popular. Um, and when the whole Rose and Kanaya thing kind of started to take off that was a that was one of the big fandom things as well so it wasn't com- it wasn't exclusively just like dave cat and shit yeah. uh but yeah the the male male pairings definitely got a lot more attention there there was a lot of um there was a definitely a lot of straight chipping mm-hmm. just across the board uh i think the best example of that would probably be the panty raid comic um, <laughs> I, I have I have to I have to get out of here. I have to I have to go. Listener, go on YouTube, type in Homesuck Panty Raid comic. It is the worst thing you'll ever watch. It'll probably kill you if you're if you're not too careful. It's bad. Uh, it's a cognito hazard to anybody over the age of like eighteen, probably. Um, if you're too young to to for um. For the the call sign of like Homestuck comic that was been imprinted in your brain, then it you might just kind of watch it and be like, okay, this is just kind of dumb. But if you're if you're old enough to have been online in like 2010, it will kill you immediately. <laughs> um, let's let's hop off this tangent. Okay, and hop back okay, into the comic. okay. We're back in the comic. There's, we're we're we have we we don't have much left. Uh, and it's it's getting good. Uh, um, we're with Terezi now. She's she's flying up and away. She's flying. Um, she, she's over her planet. She's going up her hive. Uh, her sprite's here. I love her sprite. I love dragon sprite. Dragon so, sprite so is much. cute. The- I I don't know why this bit of dialogue is here. Um, it it's cute how happy it is to she is to see her. Uh, I was expecting like a a a, a conversation elaborating on something, but there's not. Um, just kind of was there. I mean, I don't think Dragon Sprite would have ever offered, like, any any worthwhile conversation because, like, it's a baby. Like, it, it died, like, immediately after it was born. It taught her how to I mean, see it, with, its, with her... I mean, it taught nose. her that, but that doesn't, like... That doesn't mean that there's any, like, development. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, I always envisioned... The, the the 30 seconds of thought I had given to Dragon Lucis's mental state all just kind of was me assuming, like, okay, so it's been communicating with her for a long time yeah. in its egg. It's probably somehow mature because it, it has psionic communication with the outside world and has for a long time. Yeah. Um, Who knows? But yeah. Pointless speculation aside. Um, this This panel where they're sniffing at each other is a really good panel. <laughs> Pretty cute. Um Terezi gets a gets a message from Carcat. 
Um, uh, and this one's a little bit, this one's a little strange. Um, there's some, they talk about the memo a little bit. Um, they briefly bring up the conflicting missions between, uh, kill Jack Frost and usurp the queen. Uh, or exiling, I said Jack Frost, I'm th- playing too much Mega 10. Whoa. Um, Jack Noir. What? What? The fact that you said Jack Frost. I have been playing too much Shin Megami Tensei. Uh, it's just kind of my neutral state these days. Um, it's 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 it rolls off the tongue way more naturally than Jack Noir. In my defense. Uh, shout out Jack Frost. Shout out uh Rise of the Guardians fandom. Don't say it. Shout Don't out. Say it. Shout out Jack Frost. X Wansler. We talked enough about how bad 2011 was already. <laughs> 2012. <laughs> um, Jack, whatever. Um, how many of our listeners are young enough to to not know anything about Rise of the Guardians? Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> very forgettable movie. Um, but yeah, uh, Jack Noir. Um, exiling him, not killing him. Um. I, I love how, like, Carcat is, like, a Jack Noir fanboy. Yeah. He's, like, he's a, he calls him a badass, um, which is really, really cute. It's, I, I think it's funny. Um, this is, also, we're kind of being pulled back into, like, pre, uh, pre-Doomer Carcat before he's been forced to do car- introspection. Um, they get into the subject of, a. Uh, of Karkat's blood color. Um, and it does this really, really weird tease that took me, caught me really off guard, uh, where Terezi mentions being able to smell his blood color through his skin during a, a moment, as she calls it, which Karkat is immediately really embarrassed and doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. And just anybody else to hear about. And she starts, like, wiggling her eyebrows at him in text. This is bizarre. Much to think about. Um, we, I don't think we can say anything about it, but it, this is one of those things where it, I think this is a big first for the comment where it's like, man, why is it so suggestive all of a sudden? I don't like it. It's bad. I don't like it. I don't want to... I don't want to say it's bad, but it, it took me very off guard. It's it's weird. It's a little bit. It's it's weird. Yeah, definitely weird. Um, I have in my notes. Uh, I, as I was reading this, I it, I wrote down "stop flirting," and then immediately under that, I just wrote in all caps "fuck." <laughs> um, I I would say that that this part is like car resi propaganda. A little bit. Uh, which is a very antiquated ship, I would say. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but it was one of the... It was pretty popular. Um, and in defense of Carrezi, I would say that when the comp was coming out at this point, it it, it was fine. It, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty decent yeah. pairing. Um, in terms of characters that actually have some kind of, like, some sort of chemistry at this point, I would say that it's one of the, it's one of the healthier pairings. I, um, I, 
I believe that Carrezzi is probably the the most successful instance of straight baiting. <laughs> sure. And we can sure. we can get into that later in the comic when we see what, what becomes of these two characters specifically and relationships that they have with other characters. But looking back on Carrezzi is just funny in like modern Homestuck fandom or even like later in the comic yeah um i mean there's a difference between like the way things age with like the extra the extra comic material the extra the extraneous material versus the way they age in the in the comic and i think this is the case of where like even the comic itself age like has dated this yeah i just think it's even funnier with with content that was given in the epilogues and now homestuck squared it just keeps adding mm. to it on like how outdated car as is as a ship <laughs> it was fine at the time yeah um it, it and it keeps going like carcat signing off with like a little heart is so like i'm punching my drywall what's going on <laughs> um <laughs> They both think they, they like they both do it, and like Carcat, it's so out of character and weird. Um, <laughs> man, yeah. Um, in terms of actually important things to address here, uh, not that character drama isn't important, but um, this kind of segues into the, what's going to happen immediately after this, where uh, we see immediately after this, where uh. Therese talks about her blindness um, and how she's kind of, and and what it means to her and like in a literal sense where when when she woke up in her dream uh, she was blind as well um, which is notable because as we've seen before with Tavros uh, your dream self state is not a mirror of your not a one-on-one mirror of your physical self of like your uh original self yeah so Terezi being blind in her dream is indicative of more than just being physically hurt yeah um and she she uh kind of addresses this as or or like attributes to uh um her being Satis- doesn't really not really one thing to see uh and and her blindness just being her ideal way to perceive the world yeah which is in- which is which is interesting i think um and they then they go back to flirting and i'm like stop well but before the before they stop talking we we get like the big the big setup for for next week's reading and the, and the closure of of act 5 act 1 and it's carcat asking terezi how exactly did she go blind and that's going to be interesting to get into next week when we find out how ah, ah. okay okay i i have a confession to make what so last week when I asked what pages to read, and you said twenty five seventy seven, right? Yeah. When I copied it over to the next page of my notebook, uh, to page range, I I went to twenty five seventy nine, which 
includes what oh, we're no. going to talk about. Um, That's really unfortunate, because okay, we're not talking about that. <laughs> I was prepared to talk about Make Her Pay. Um, That's really unfortunate. But you know what? That's fine. I can wait. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I was in I was in ramp up mode, and you were in. Uh, I'm in I'm in decline in mode. Conclusion I'm mode. I'm getting ready to end the episode right now. And you're ready to you're ready to crack make her pay wide open. Damn. Okay. Well, you know that's a little bit unfortunate. Um. Uh. Just just uh, so we're I'm clear, tempted... just so we're clear, if I did make make her pay the end of this episode, next week's episode would be like twenty minutes long. That's true. That's true. Um, I that I did wonder that because yeah, because I wrote down nine. Instead, yeah, I wrote down nine instead of seven. Um, because my handwriting is really bad. That's unfortunate. Um, if you're a listener out there, and for some reason you thought of the number nine instead of the number seven, and you thought we were, we're going to talk about make her pay, we're sorry. Uh, <laughs> stick around till next week. I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed, because all of this reading has just been quadrants, and you know what? It's fun, it's, it, it, I enjoy it, but sometimes I, I, I was ready to get into some, some good old bloodbath, uh, as opposed to, um, Carcat and Aridan whinging about nobody loving them. Man, it's unfortunate that you did this to yourself. I this is com- I have no one else to blame. This is all me. Um <laughs> fuck. All right. Uh well, I guess something to look forward to next time. Yes. Um yeah. Uh the the next reading, um I'm I'm going to I'm going to pretend that I haven't already read it in advance uh recently. <laughs> Uh, the next reading, from what I recall, is pretty different than pretty different than all the drama. It it gets pretty tense. Yeah, there. Um, and there's a shift. Segways us back into Homestuck proper, uh, and out of Hive Bend. Yes. Yeah, um, which I I am very I'm I have enjoyed my time with only the trolls, but I'm starting to kind of uh, appreciate. Well, not starting, but I, I want to get back to the kids. I want to get back to the main story and, and, and stop the... I want to stop focusing on this suburb session, which is not the main focus of the story. Yeah. We, we will get to see Hussey seamlessly integrate all of these wonderful characters that we've been introduced to in the way that he was already and... doing in Act 4. <laughs> We're going to go back to Act 4, everybody. Um... Yeah, I guess, like, I don't want to give closing thoughts on High Bent right now. Yeah, we can, so we can definitely won't. save that. Uh, but I, I am a little bit getting, I'm getting a little bit tired of kind of the character drama of characters who are not really that going to be really that relevant in the long run. Yeah. Aridin's funny, but, like, I don't, he's, he's there. Yeah, it's, it's one of the more unfortunate things about rereading Homesuck is because, you, you you get like hyper aware about what characters are going to stick around and for how long what matters yeah what what matters and you, you get these parts where you, you you're witnessing this drama you're having these things explained to you that are already like well implanted in your mind and you, you just kind of get get in in the mode of thinking man when is this over 
I feel bad for Feferi, but, like, I know that Feferi is a single-serving character. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, I think that we're pretty much done with all of the Feferi, uh, most of the Feferi drama that really is gonna, is gonna make me feel bad for her. Will, Um, will she say another slur? Place your bets now. (laughs) How many slurs does Feferi have left in her? Um, yeah, okay, um, uh, you're gonna need to steer me gently towards the exit because I'm still in. I I wasn't prepared to be in in, in wrap up mode yet. All right, listeners, you've been listening to a whole podcast. That was abrupt. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't think I really have anything else to say about this reading. Um, I like that I, I I liked the the peek at a at a future car cat. Yeah. Um, and the the post null session. Um characters and where they're at yeah um Uh, the the narrative itself is very obviously pushing us in the direction of act five act one is coming to a close oh it really wants to be done with act five Act. yeah just flat out putting a putting future car cat uh dwelling on the failure of the session is is a really big indication that the this troll segment's coming to a close Mm -hmm. yeah I guess that we can... I guess that's something we can give a retrospective on is, like, the way that the session has been handled. Yeah. Uh, which is, like... Uh, I think that we compared... Maybe we made a lot of comparisons um, in the first reading of Hive Bent versus Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. Uh, but... The, it, it wants to be done with it so bad that it makes it... that Like, it hops around time so it becomes less readable, I think, and it kind of hurts it in the long run. Yeah. Uh, cause while the memos are entertaining and I think that they're used well in terms of, uh, like future car cat and past car cat and just showing how he changes. Yeah. Um, the memos being concurrent with action and like it, viewing the homestuck style of action happening, get another memo action happening somewhere else in the timeline. It just makes it so much, so needlessly confusing. Yeah. Um, some negative review components coming out, uh, again. I think it's interesting that, uh, I say interesting a lot. I, th- I, I think it's funny that we, that Hivebent is like this holy text, um, and it's probably gotten my most negative reception out of the whole comic. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can talk about this more next episode to fill out the... Felt the fact that we're only going to be reading, what, like 50 pages? Shrug, yeah, shrug. Alright, well, um, I'm going to still need you to take us to the close. Whoa! My brain's broken. Here we are at the end of another episode of a Homestuck podcast. Um, if you haven't picked up on the, the fact already, uh, next week we're finishing off Act 5, Act 1, uh, specifically to page... 2625 don't click that button that says s act 5 act 2 when you get there we will not be we will not be going to that page we're specifically stopping on this page number that i said um yep that just so we're clear don't go past 2625 anybody you will die co-host reader whoever you are 
don't go any further than I say. <laughs> I feel like I'm being threatened. <laughs> um, that that's our that's that's our reading for next week. Uh, the th- this has been Holmesuck podcast. I don't think there's anything worth talking about anymore, unless unless I could I I could talk about Six and Paula some more. Um, <laughs> I think we can. I think we could wrap it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been a Homestuck podcast. I'm John. I'm Aiden. Uh, shout out listeners. Uh, thank you for listening. I uh, I've I've been keeping up with uh the Spotify tracking. We have we have some 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 new listeners on on Spotify. I think it was like sixteen unique listeners. Damn. Uh, the algorithm doing work. Algorithm is doing work. I mean, if you if you just look up the word Homestuck on Spotify, we're we're the first thing that comes up now. Based. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, shout out new listeners. You're probably not going to hear this for a while since I've noticed that like <laughs> all of you are still like in the first like two episodes. Uh, but still. But still, when you get here, you know where you came from. Uh, uh, shout out Alex. Greatest, greatest editor in the world. Really sorry that we're dumping this one on you to edit the night <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, sorry about that. It happens. Um, Love blues got in the way. Blues happened. But yeah. Uh, um, shout out Aiden. Uh, shout out. Shout out me. Uh, shout out you. Shout out. Shout out Homestuck.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, you suck. You suck at this. I'm. I'm. All right. See you next week, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye.